Welcome to episode 106. <laughs> we're, we're happy to have you. This is like a milestone episode, so we're gonna we're gonna be a little loose here. We're gonna have some fun. We're gonna reminisce and talk, <laughs> and then we're gonna go over the AI theme, and then we're gonna get you excited about what's to come. So you know, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of State of the Art. And in this episode, we are wrapping up this month's theme of art and AI. It's been uh, we've had a couple of interruptions this month. It's been a rocky month, uh, but we got some really fun episodes out there. And in this episode, we will be interviewing none other than probably my favorite guest ever, actually, his name is Andrew Herman. It's me. <laughs> please, please help me welcome Andrew Herman. Yeah. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> Ow. I'm I'm excited to be here because there's a couple things happening. One is we're wrapping up a theme, AI, and art, which we're going to talk about today. But the other thing is, um, I mean, in excitedly, sadly, so many emotions, Herm, you're you're kind of stepping away. That's right. You're not leaving. You're not going to leave us, and you'll be back. But you're not going to be the you're not going to be the main host. You gotta, yeah, yeah. You got to stepping kid. back from the hosting responsibilities. Full time job. Just had a kid. Getting a little tough to juggle everything. But uh, but I'm I'll still be around. You'll still hear my voice from time to time. Yeah, we're gonna bring you on. So this is also we just crossed a hundred, and it's funny we did a, a fifty episode recap. Yeah, a year ago, I actually listened to it just before this. It was it was like Labor Day weekend. It was a Monday. <laughs> Um, and, and we did like a whole recap on sort of like how the last year went, you had, so a couple of things like you had just started, you, you had done 15 episodes actually, which isn't just starting right. three months, you've done 15 episodes at the time. Um, and it was also when we, we kind of switched from being art and tech to sort of a more broader, like, uh, approach into sort of how the art world is evolving and changing. Right. And sort of announced our new logo. So there's a lot, I, I'm going to ask questions. We're going to go back to that, but it's been 50 episodes. It's been exactly a year since we've been here. And there's a big announcement today, which you already announced. So it's, <laughs> it's exciting. Vanessa? Yes. <laughs> How are you? How are you feeling about 100 episodes? Yeah. I mean, this is something to celebrate. And by the way, it's all because of Vanessa. But yeah, how does it feel? Um, It feels good. I think we hit some milestones that we're proud about. There's definitely definitely been like a learning curve, like moments to improve. We've been we've been learning a lot more about some of these different art movements. Um, first topic that comes to mind is definitely environmental art, which we were mm. both unfamiliar with. Yeah. So I like the momentum of having that we're taking with the guest hosting. Um, but also I think there's we're having some. I don't know. I feel like we need to really figure out what we're doing and like dedicate ourselves to that. Let's dig into that. What do you mean? Well, I don't want to jump the gun on who's going to be taking over the episode and the direction that I we're see. going. I see. So we're just figuring it out. Okay. That's but fair. yeah, with every, it feels now since Herm's leaving, it feels like every year we we're changing it up a little bit for our audience. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know how they feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's an opportunity to refocus a little bit. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens over the next few months and 
where the new host takes it and yeah, how to evolve. Yeah, so we touched, and I want to just go back to the time we met. We touched briefly on it on the 50th episode, and I think also when we when you were first on. Um, but you know, we you had run an art startup, and we basically worked two blocks apart, and we had never yeah, yeah. connected. And it was a Thursday. I think it was a Thursday night. I remember being at a WeWork and calling you. We connected for the first time. Yeah. And that was a year and a half ago. And and you were on just after, like not long after that. Um, and then took over, you know, in, I guess, the beginning of the summer. Yeah. Of yeah, it happened year, quick, man. 15 months ago. Yeah. The, it's amazing. The turnaround from like getting introduced to being on the show to taking over as host was all like within, what, six weeks, something like that. It's pretty pretty snappy. So how did Ethan convince you to take over State of the Art? <laughs> uh, it didn't take a whole lot of convincing. It was kind of like the right place at the right time. Um, I mean, part of it was like the trajectory that our business was taking. Uh, like we were looking for ways to get our voice out there a little bit more. And so part of it was a possibility to do that. Um but also just like this was something that I had been interested in getting into for a little while, podcasting in general. Um, and uh, yeah, the the timing was just like perfect. And uh, with with Ethan kind of shifting around what what he had time for, it, it just it was it's very natural. Yeah, real natural transition. Relationship. What was your not, not that I know anything. What was your <laughs> first? I want to hear on on tape what your first impression of me was. Oh. <laughs> first impression as a guest or first impression as a host? Ooh, <laughs> let's go both. And as a person. Let's just do that one. Again. <laughs> um, I was actually very impressed. I had no faith in you as a guest, just right off the bat. As a guest. Yeah, I think I pushed that one hard. I was like, it'll be great. Yeah. Um. So I learned a lot about French girls, which I appreciated and had newfound respect for the app and the mission behind it. As a host, (laughs) (laughs) I think (laughs) I think your was your first episode, Erica Gangsy. Yes, I think that as much fun as you both had with it (laughs) was rough. It was a little rough, Um, but. You definitely, imp- I mean, now, I, now you're known as, you know, the man with the golden pipes. So it's <laughs> true. It's true. It's yeah. true. So definitely huge improvement. I think you, you've I really actually, that. yeah, you've really grown into being a good host because when I listen back to the episodes, I appreciate doing the one listen and being like, okay, well, this is where we start and this is where we stop. As a person, obviously I give you both a lot of shit, but. Keep coming back. So either I'm a sadist or deep down, I really like both of you. So I don't know. I'll have to reflect on that. I'm going to go with the former. I I was going to (laughs) say, I would love to take that as a compliment, but I think deep down you might just actually be a sadist. (laughs) No, I appreciate that, Vanessa. And I will take this opportunity since I am stepping away at this point to say both of you. I mean, first of all, Ethan, thank you for the opportunity to have done this. I mean, it was a huge amount of trust that you quite literally just threw in my hands and were like, dude, take this and run with it, whatever you want to do with it, which was amazing. And uh, and Vanessa, I mean, we mention it here and there on the show, but really this thing doesn't happen without the amount of work that you put in. Um, I, I hope that our 
next guest uh, appreciates that as much as we do because you put in way more work than people realize into making yeah. this thing click. So I appreciate all of that and your patience with me. <laughs> so can I? Can we do like a little time machine? Yeah. So 50 episodes ago, when, yes. when we did our 50 episode recap, there's like a couple major life events. One is you had just gotten married. That's right. And you were about to get married. Because you got married on Labor Day. September. Yeah. In September. Um, and you got married in... August 18th. I just passed. Oh. I just had my... Congratulations. Yeah. This weekend. yeah so you already have a baby. I know. Well, so that was my next Ridiculous. thing. I was going to say, you you just got married. You were about to get married. I'm still single, by the way. <laughs> I'm still single, but that's okay. And then, like, if we fast forward, you've now had a child, which is... Yeah. Yep. How is... I mean, it's that, crazy. Yeah. It's crazy, but <laughs> I will say that uh, I, I we pretty much knew that this was going to happen because I waited... My wife is not going to like this if she listens to the episode, but she won't. She won't. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I I was dating her for like seven and a half years before we got married. So, uh, and I did that not because I wasn't ready to marry her, but because I knew as soon as we were married, there was going to be a kid coming down the line. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it kind of went according to plan. Um, it is it is amazing, but it definitely is a lot of work, a lot of a lot of time right now. A lot what of time. is the if there was one, Whoa, can I just we're still in the time machine. Wait, my question's relevant. Oh, okay. <laughs> if there's one value or characteristic that you want to instill in your child, what would you choose? Wow. Oh man, that's gonna be a rapid fire question. I think it's, one, it's more deep than a rapid fire. One value or characteristic. I mean, there's like the 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 easy stuff like family and. Uh, you only get one hard work. I mean, it's going to sound cheesy because this is a show about art, but something that I think is unique to me and how I see the world is, uh, is creativity as a value. Like if there's one thing that I would hope to pass to her, it's, um, it's understanding that creativity is what, what separates us from the animals. Like creativity is what drives people it's what makes people innovative and interesting and fun and all of that stuff so um so i hope that she catches that gene and i hope that there's something that that kind of gets hooked in her imagination creatively it's an also interesting because we're going to be recapping about ai mm. and ai art so mm. a theme to revisit that is true later that is true but time machine yeah. time machine so a year ago I had just started a new job. Right. You were still ending. Yeah, transitioning out transitioning of French out girls. Of French girls. And Vanessa was being awesome, doing a lot mm -hmm. of things. Thanks. But the other thing was, I was working with, so, but like fast forwarding, I had mentioned that I was, was on the board of ArtsFriend. And now I'm at a new job. You're in your job. And you just, and Vanessa just started working at ArtsFriend. What are you Congratulations. Do yeah, what are you going to do there? Another round of applause. <laughs> what a pathetic round of applause, but thank you. Yeah. Let me Wes, edit that in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I don't want to jinx it because I'm not, I haven't signed a contract yet. I don't know. Like, I am helping uh, art spin. Right now, I'm doing a lot of grant work. So I'm helping a nonprofit in San Francisco 
be able to retain and receive funds to help the creative core of San Francisco, essentially. I mean, arts fans, obviously, arts fans, great. You were on the board, you know about it. But it's one of the biggest nonprofits in San Francisco that supports over 1,200 artists in the city alone. I really think that arts fans, one of the uh, like main reasons that there is still that there are still artists that are able to like function and work and have opportunities within a city that's seeing such rapid real estate growth Mm. and just, you know, getting pushed out. They're one of the communities. They're like one of the people that's actually fighting to keep the arts, you know, at the forefront of what people in power in the city should be thinking about and should be considering as valuable. So I'm excited to be there. I'm excited to be in a position that will affect the arts here in the city and like it really makes me feel like I'm you know contributing to a community that I care about and feel passionate about so pretty stoked arts band's awesome they like uh, from my perspective coming from outside of San Francisco and outside of the Bay Area um, it seems like it's actually one of the few organizations that is really trying to keep San Francisco's sort of like cultural link to its past. Yeah. Like San Francisco has historically been a very, very creative town. And obviously with the tech boom, you know, shit happens, whatever side of the debate you fall. But, um, but the fact of the matter is because of the money that's flooded in, it's pushed artists out. That's always one of the first things that happens whenever money comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Artspan is really, really proactive about trying to make sure there's still spaces and programs carved out for artists. So I think you'll be getting involved in some awesome projects. That's I will awesome. say they could have more art and tech artists, though. Yeah. I think I know Camilla is one of the yeah. few art tech focused creative people there, but it would be nice to. The see other thing that is, grow. like, how do you, how do you get young, like, recent graduates involved in arts, man? It's an, it's skewed older. I think the mm. age of the artist. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not more. I'm not familiar yeah. with art demographics yeah. yet, but. That's interesting. Yeah. I can, I have ideas for that. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. So lots happened. It's interesting. Yeah, it's, like what's going to happen a year. Like we should just come back together a year from now. I know. <laughs> well, it seems like this is like, this is the time of year when things are going to naturally swing in another direction. So we'll be back again. And it's exciting to see where they're going to swing. A year ago, I asked you three questions. I said, what was your favorite episode? What was the episode that you just thought was like the best vibing as far as conversation? So the first one was like, which one did you learn or did you find the most interesting? Second one, vibe. And third one was um, the most challenging episode that you had. Hmm. All right. So what's the first? So so I'll tell you them. But first, I think Vanessa wants to hear like, what would you guess they are? Or what like, or even just thinking back since then, like, what would you say your answers are? I don't know. I'm getting at is he should just answer as he feels now. That's what I'm saying. Answer as you feel now. And Mm. then I'll tell you your answers that they were a year ago. So um, let's see. My favorite ones were um, I thought. um, So for February, we did. what was I don't want to misquote. What was the actual? Do you remember verbatim what the theme was? Oh, was the Black uh, Creative. The Black Creative. Um, that whole month, I thought was um, I-, I learned a lot from. 
Oh, so not only um, you hosted, but just that, yeah, because that was our first guest host. Yeah, and then, um, so yeah, I mean, I didn't host that whole month, but then I did interview Trey at the end of the month and kind of got his take on the experience and then kind of recapped all the episodes. So I, uh, I actually think, um, so all of February, we did the theme, The Black Creative. Um, and A, I really, I learned a lot from that. I thought it was a really, really interesting theme. Um, I really liked our guests. I wasn't hosting. We had uh, uh, our Trey, guest host, uh, Trey, Trey Borden. Um, yeah, first guest host. Yeah, I thought that went really well. Um, but it was just a, a really cool topic. Uh, Vanessa, like, for a long time, has been making an effort to, like, get out of the demographics that are standard to the art world, which is white, you know, European dudes. Um, and so I thought bringing in a different experience was really cool. Um, and then getting to, like talk to Trey about his experience hosting as well as his experience as a black creative and a black gay man. It was, um, it was just a really, I really enjoyed that entire month. Um, in terms of best flow, like best sort of getting in the rhythm with someone, um, B from Dada, Dada NYC, I thought, uh, was really cool. And, you know, it's, it's hard for people to be working in a real business, but have really lofty ideas. And like, you know, I love, I love people who can kind of think a mile high, but keep their feet on the ground. Um, and I felt really, really comfortable talking to her by the end of that episode, I was like hook, line and sinker, uh, all in on Dada. And, uh, yeah. What was the third question? Challenging. Challenging. Like either, I mean, not like the get more like maybe the topic or yeah. I, honestly, I'll go back to um, to the black creative. Like I remember telling you guys after I interviewed Trey, like being a white straight thirty year old dude trying to talk to someone from a different background, um, like about trying to get their perspective. And doing that interview justice, like that was that was a pretty nerve wracking experience for me. I really enjoyed it, um, and I really really like Trey. He's an awesome dude. Um, but you just you just don't want to mess that up. You mm -hmm. want to get that right. So I think that was probably the most challenging. Nice. Vanessa, what do you think? I think I know who one of your answers was for your your original answers was. But looking back since then, what would you say? Oh, like my answers yeah. to those same questions. Yeah. What was the first? What was your favorite? Like, what was your favorite episode? My favorite episode? My favorite theme? Does Good. it matter? Yeah. My favorite theme was different, definitely art and morality. But I was excited about that from, like, yeah, when we first even started talking about themes. And I thought Michelle, did, like, blew it out of the park. Yeah, she did. Um, I was super stoked yeah. that she got the Gorilla Girls. I'm still... That's oh, amazing. Yeah, I, yeah, I think cool. that's amazing. Um. So I thought she did, I thought she did so great. And if, if you haven't listened to that month, you should. Um, and I'm blanking on what month it was, but I want to say it was our July. I want to say it's July. I mean, it's July. Um, so yeah, Art and Morality with Michelle Hartney. Michelle Hartney, she's a performance artist um, and also sculptor. But she does a lot of like guerrilla art, I would say. And she's very passionate about what she does. She's a... Uh, I mean, check her out. She she is like 
at least for art and morality, she focused on all the obviously moral concepts surrounding the art world. Should we hold artists to our moral values? Should we hold museum board members? Should we hold art institutions like museums and just these big entities to upholding and defending and really just monitoring who is a part of their like decision making like their board essentially and I thought they were really important things to know and things to think about and just things to think like keep in mind because I don't think the vast majority of people even art lovers museum attendees students think about think on that level yeah they don't I don't think anyone really pauses to reflect on who are the decision people that are in power and making those decisions Mm. and what are they tied or affiliated to. Mm. So I thought that was a really good month. I don't remember the other questions. Challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Art this month was extremely (laughs) challenging to me because even though I am involved in the art and tech scene in terms of, trying to provide a platform and trying to get more eyes and ears on it and just and get it like more and more accepted into the like upper echelons of the art world. I am actually very much a Luddite. I don't (laughs) I'm not a tech person at all. And so when we started working on the AI art month, I mean, just coming up with like questions I would want to dive into or like reading and researching the interviewees we were going to have on the podcast. It was like really hard to wrap my mind around the concepts that they were exploring. I mean, and we'll, you'll probably talk about this, but like Ben Vickers talking about like, you know, this whole other level of like spirituality within this concept of like AI and its implications in not only the art world, but like beyond like those are just, Things I can't, yeah. I let's, can't even let's fathom. go there. I mean, we're here. Like, let's talk about that it. That was cool. I, I loved that. So, so when, this past month, the theme was AI and art. Yeah, and, yeah. And there are two interviews. Yeah. yeah, and the so to sort of expound upon that a little bit more. What what? So the point that he brought up around why there's some interesting conversations around AI and art. He was coming from this perspective of. Sometimes it takes a new technology to make you reevaluate an old question or an old observation. And one of the things he was noting was that um, historically, uh, art has been a way of, of us sort of understanding and thinking about communication with what he called um, uh, non-human intelligences. and historically when you're talking about any intelligence that's not human that goes into the realm of spirituality like whether it's you know dead you know ghosts or whether it's actually god or whatever um you know one of the things that art has done is sort of helped us to think about how we can communicate with these things um and you know this is just a a new way to have that conversation because ai is quite literally a non-human consciousness at its, you know, ultimate level. So it was really interesting that, you know, we could talk a lot about that, but I will say the one thing that like stopped me in my tracks about that is 
when you're around these conversations, you tend to hear the same talking points get recycled and like the same observations that people have. And every once in a while, someone will come up with something really new that just kind of stops you in your tracks. And that was a moment for me whenever I was interviewing Ben that like that that perspective of like where AI can be a a, a new perspective for art, um, I found really valuable. Like that is something I hadn't heard mm. before, something I hadn't thought of before. And that's like, you know, that's kind of the dream when you're hosting these things is that you find that little like gold nugget of like, holy shit, that is an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. That was, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that moment. Was there anything else about that episode that stood out to you or? I mean, Ben is just a, obviously a deeply knowledgeable guy. Uh, I was kind of in awe that whole time. He's a guy who's um, spent a lot of time in that space um, and very obviously done the research. You know, I think it's interesting. He calls himself a Luddite, but he's, um, but he's a CTO, you know, he's a technical guy. Um, And, you know, we talk about that a little bit on the episode um, and why those two things aren't necessarily mutually exclusive um so that was really interesting uh another part that you talk about where with ai and art it's it's either impersonation collaboration or creation yeah yeah that was a really interesting sort of categorization um and it it helps to you know i think one of the big things around ai and art is how threatening it is um people get scared by it and that's a good way to kind of parse out how maybe some scenarios with AI and art are less threatening than others. Because whenever you look at um, when you look at AI as impersonation, that's maybe a little bit scarier. But when you look at it as collaboration between artist and technology, um, it's a little easier to swallow. How do you feel about it? Like, what do you think? Do you think it is as threatening as? I, I think so. As a guy who's in the tech industry, um, you know, I think the sort of the public perception of AI is pretty misguided. So I think this idea that uh, that AI is just around the corner and ready to kind of take all of our jobs and automate everything away and the robots are coming is pretty far-fetched. I don't, you know, I think technologically we're a far, far cry from that happening. One thing I think that is interesting, though, is that oftentimes people have a belief that AI can't really touch creativity, um, that creativity is kind of the last bastion of humanity and that we're really the only ones that can do that well. And funnily enough, from a from a technology perspective, like that's actually one of the easier things to do. So I think that people in the art world, like, probably should be taking more notice of this than they are um, because uh, we've already had AIs create symphonies, create masterpieces that, uh, I mean, you know, masterpieces in the eye of the beholder, but some pretty, um, pretty technically impressive pieces of art. Um, And so I think it's a, it's actually a bigger conversation for the art community than it is for like the community writ large. But it's also like a gray area of what what are you classifying as AI created air quotes around create AI yeah. created. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's the conversation to be had, right? Um, I mean, well, it goes back to what Ben was saying. It's like right now we're 
very much it's just like it's a, and I think actually Camilla touched upon this too it's very much a collaboration a partnership between yeah. machine and human but it, I, I think that I mean the cynical part of me says that that's sort of the hopeful the hopeful gaze of the artist that assumes that they have um, a high degree of influence and it depends I mean it depends on the particular project that you're talking about um, you know, something like Camilla's is still pretty, like, sh she couldn't, the AI wouldn't exist without her. Like, she has a high degree of touch in her project. Um, but, you know, like, the the piece that went in front of, um, was it Sotheby's that sold at Sotheby's and made the news there? Like, that's By something Obscura? that... Obscura? Obscure? Yeah, the French Collective. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that, like, once once the technology is up and running... They could do that many times over without the. Yeah, how, many, how many times has that happened since? Right, like the the AI art has sold at Sotheby's. Oh, I don't. I don't think it's. I mean, I think AI art really, has sold again at other auction houses. I don't know about specifically to Sotheby's. Wait, don't you think it's like at that point, like clearly just the novelty of it and the story that like oh i i mean some very wealthy person who could part ways with seven hundred thousand dollars easily just be like oh i bought the first ai art maybe but i think a lot of people had probably the same reaction with anything remotely avant-garde right like you can have kind of the same critique of uh you know of abstract art that people don't understand when they look at but sells for mm. you but know at least for me, and this came up during Kodami's Art and Tech Festival, God, a year or so ago. Yeah. I remember one of the on one of the panels, and I wish I remembered her name, one of the artists, I mean, they were talking about AI art or AI and art, and everyone had the same opinion of like, you know, it's like threatening, but you know, it's also cool or whatever, but she had posed this thought, which I thought was really interesting and agree with, that what would be interesting to me as AI art is an art piece. It's art right now is an expression of human creativity, mm -hmm. right? Human emotion, human experiences. It would be more interesting to me to have an AI to get to the point where they can express their own creativity, their own emotions, their own experiences, like from the point of view of being whatever they consider themselves as yeah. you know like the so consciousness yeah so this awareness of self and this awareness of having yeah. or being able to emote being able to have these more abstract thoughts rather than right now i feel like it's reproductions or it's mimicking human behavior yeah so uh, something completely independent would be more interesting to me than what uh, has already sold at Sotheby's. Because to me, that's like, oh, that's like a print or it's like a ready made. Right, right, right. Which is still cool, but I wouldn't consider it like, you know, 100% AI art because yeah. it's, you know, it's it's just copy and pasting. It's collaging. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but what you're talking about there brings up a whole like whole series of subsequent questions around what oh yeah is... no that's what makes it scary yeah because like, once it gets to that point it's like oh shit yeah yeah and that it's was self-aware <laughs> one of the points that and then who gives a shit about the art that it's making yeah, yeah i mean yeah. i'd still be interested <laughs> uh, but one of the points that ben vickers was making was that like even taking that perspective is difficult because 
Um, because this idea of consciousness is such a moving target that it just like, even amongst scientists, isn't very well defined. So like, right, like know. an elephant can paint. Right. Right. Don't make that face. Have you seen the videos <laughs> of elephants painting? No. Um, I mean, because I, I do think like the one, like what you're getting at, it sounds like is sort of like when it has a when it has a consciousness, it has a story. Yeah. And that's one thing that you know we've learned is just I mean, with art, it's all about the story. And to me, that's the thing now is that AI art. I mean, I guess the story, like the story, if the story is oh AI art made it, then that is the story, and that's why that first one sells. That's not like compelling. Like it's not selling all the time because yeah. AI art, like it needs the story, the story that artists yeah. have. And- but I think as as AI gets more sophisticated, as the technology gets more sophisticated, mm-hmm. that narrative gets infinitely more interesting. Mm-hmm. Because because right now it is you can kind of write it off as like it's basically a print. Like yeah, it's a sophisticated print, but like they're taking they're pattern matching from all of the images that they've consumed, and they're basically reproducing something. Um, but as, as AI develops more into this, you know, what you're talking about with being self-aware or expressing some kind of an emotion, you know, I mean, I think, um, Camila's piece actually touched on that a little bit because, you know, technologically, it probably doesn't have the sophistication to say that it has any kind of real emotion or, or empathy, but it does simulate it in the sense that, um, it expresses wants and needs based on its physical health. And that was, you know, the really interesting twist that Camila brought to this is this thing has a physical body. It's a plant, like it's not a human body, but because it actually can die, because it actually has things that it needs, it can express wants and needs through social media that keep it alive. Um, so, you know, whenever you bring those twists into it, um, again, it, it, the conversation just gets much more interesting. Right, but that, I would say that it is AI art in the sense that AI becomes a vehicle for art or like a part of an art piece rather than AI producing an art piece. Right, right. But that's why I like, I love Camilla's piece, like Ozma, because it's, to me, it seems so unique. Like I hadn't seen that use of AI in art yet. Maybe there's been something, but that was the first time for me. I was like, oh, that's new. Yeah. I also really like um, one of the things I really enjoyed about talking with her is that, um, and I mean this in a really positive way, that um, a lot of these like deeper questions and thoughts around like the implications of AI, she genuinely hadn't thought about and didn't care all that much about. Like it was like, oh yeah, interesting. But for her, it was very much like, this is an experiment. I have a fairly basic premise. That is, this thing can live or die and it's going to respond to, you know, what causes it to live or die is basically the feedback it's getting online. And I'm going to put a basic AI in to like manage that relationship. And that's, it's so interesting just going from talking to Ben, who is a curator and, you know, obviously a thinker to an actual artist who's playing with this stuff. And it's just so cool, the difference in perspectives, like the artist just wants to play. The artist just wants to like experiment and like, you know, raise questions where, you know, the curator and the thinker wanted to like explore those questions in a great deal of depth. It was a very cool contrast. Hmm. What were the questions 
that you didn't feel like you got an answer that you went into this theme with wanting to know more about that, you know, you're not satisfied with the answer. You didn't get answered at all. Hmm. I think it's, it's very difficult to get a clear answer on um, how people should be interacting with this stuff and, you know, what we should be concerned about in the future. Hmm. You know, the, the, the future of the technology part of this is so unknown that it's very difficult to get a sense of how rapidly these things could progress, um, how quickly this could become a bigger problem or a bigger question mark versus, um, versus being basically a novelty, you know, um, like how, how real is the threat? Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, you know, and I, I don't think it's an answerable question, but it's something that, um, you're interested in. Yeah, difficult to like scratch that itch. Well, we'll all probably be dead before it goes anywhere with the way that, you know, <laughs> yeah. global warming. I, was, I would say that Amazon global warming is probably a significantly and... bigger problem yeah. than AI. Yeah. That is correct. <laughs> Looking back now to the initial question, which we were talking about, which was, what was your favorite episode? What was the one that you just felt like the best energy or kind of vibe flow with? And then what was the most challenging? Mm -hmm. that you answered 50 episodes ago. Vanessa, you think you know? I want to say your favorite episode when you first took over was with Dorothy Chavez. The I did love her. Neuro... Cos God, what was her title? Neuro oh, Esthetician. Yes. 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 Was that right? Because you were you said super that was, stoked. You said that was the most challenging. I think you said that was the most challenging. Hmm. Maybe the topic really? itself. But you like... I think I actually asked them slightly differently. I, so... The one that you said for the what was your like I guess favorite was with um, Andre Santos, mm -hmm. and I think I think the one that you said that you liked but that was hard. I think you it was it was in a positive light. Like what was the one you liked but the topic was challenging was the one with Dorothy. Mm -hmm. um, and then you said the one that you actually thought had the best flow was with uh, Meow Wolf, but you thought it was more. It sounded more really? like because you were sort of surprised. I was surprised because about Meow Wolf. You were, but then you got in there and you're like, oh, and the conversation just kept going. And Yeah. Yeah. I didn't expect that one to go as well as it did. That one was, and I mean, that, that one, there was a backstory to it in that it was very difficult. We like had to reschedule that interview a bunch of times. Like and so times. like communication just got scattered and we didn't know if he was just like, didn't want to do it or what the deal was, but it ended up being a really, really good interview. And um, Meow Wolf's doing great things generally oh yeah so. meow wolf's awesome <laughs> not to yeah. shit on meow wolf. no no and it wasn't i'm not even saying it was their fault i just remember that it was difficult yeah. to pin down a date and stuff like that but um but yeah i mean that was it was a super fun interview so the other question i asked you was what were the things remember you're gonna get a grade a and, grade? I, and i said i didn't want to grade you but vanessa did <laughs> <laughs> i do remember that d minus <laughs> vanessa how would you grade him today Today on this episode? No. <laughs> like in the past year. Let's do from the 50th forward okay. instead of the year. <laughs> I think since the 50th for the months that you hosted, you actually did pretty well. So I'll say uh, B plus because your hosting is really spot on in terms of like, You've gotten the hang of like actually leading the conversation and engaging. And I can, but I can still tell when you're bored 
<laughs> so that kind of docks you some points. Um, yeah, and I won't go in, into detail about the other things that dock you points. Skills. But in terms of just like being able to deliver once you're being recorded, yeah, you're doing really well. And Thank so you. it's it kind of sucks that now after putting all that time and effort and training, you know, like you're leaving. But. Damn. <laughs> Yep, your investment is walking out the door. I know. <laughs> you invest in your people and they leave. So the, the other thing asked is what, what did what was the um what was the most challenging or what surprised you the most was one of the questions. Do you remember your answer to that? I don't. You were surprised at how hard it was. Yeah. Just like being the one that the that the guest I think your exact quote was like being the one that the guest is looking at to like drive the conversation and be there for them was a lot more pressure than you anticipated. Yeah. Do you consider yourself a good listener? In real life? Yeah. I I do. Uh <laughs> I mean like not in in an interview. Yeah, no, I do. But the difference in hosting is that you have to try to like you're listening while at the same time trying to craft where the conversation is going while at the same time thinking about the work that you've done to this point to say, okay, like these are the points that I want to hit. This is so like, how do I get from point A to point B? I do think I'm a good listener. I think that I'm not a good multitasker. And so like, if, if my job is just like, listen and respond and like, understand what you've said, I think I'm good at that. But if it's listen while at the same time, try to like, be crafty about where the conversation is going from there. Um, it's, that's difficult for me. I'm glad to hear that I've improved though. Yeah, I think you do really well. I'm a, I'm a terrible listener. So that's, <laughs> that's how I produce the show and I don't <laughs> yeah. host the show. Yeah. You don't like people. So it makes it hard <laughs> to engage with them. What, what, what has surprised you in the last year? What has surprised me in the last year? Hopefully not Tema. <laughs> yeah, no, she was not an oops. <laughs> um, what has surprised me in the last year? So the the the, the guest hosting thing um, was new for this year, and it was a lot of fun. I think it was a uh, like a totally successful experiment. But again, I'll say how much work that was. Like it was not. Um, going into it, I was like, okay, the months that I'm not hosting, like I'll be able to coast a little bit more. Um, and that was not the case. I mean, the amount of work that it takes to ramp someone up and make sure that they're comfortable and confident and, you know, like they, if they've never done it before, then they have no idea what they're doing and to steward the communication and to make sure that they're just happy with what they're doing and that they feel safe doing it. Um, that was again, a lot, a lot more work than I expected it to be, but it was, it was fun work. Like I'm, I'm super glad we did it. Um, and I think that that helped sort of like pave the way for where we can go in the future too. It's cool. It was like a different kind of work and rewarding in a, di in a yeah, different way. Totally. 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 I like the word safe. That you used. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you do. It's, feel safe. it's an important part of like having a good conversation, both like with, cause the guest needs to feel safe. Right. So if the host doesn't feel safe, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, if they don't, if the host doesn't feel in control, then the guest is going to feel even worse. Yeah, you know, you have to assume that the guest is somewhat nervous for the types of guests that we have. These aren't people that are getting interviewed three times a week. So, uh, yeah, you got to make sure the host is in control. 
<laughs> Are you in control? Either? I was going to say, you know, like this would be an instance where I would coach a host to say, say, make sure that you have the next question in the back of your head. Right. Right. Oh, I'm just happy to be here with you guys. <laughs> like, it has nothing to do with how prepared I am. I'm just feeling the love. You just don't want the night to end. I just don't want the night to end. I understand. You know, Jacob's over there taking photos, <laughs> paparazzi. No, I, I'm curious. Like, now, I mean, He's taking control. Yeah. I'm prepared. <laughs> I mean, you talked about, like, obviously, like, looking back, looking forward, we're in a time machine. If you're looking for, like, what what is your advice to future hosts and what's your advice mm. to Vanessa? Mm. Ooh. Good question. Uh, my advice to future hosts is easy. Be careful of Vanessa. Watch yourself around Vanessa. No. Um, my, my advice to future hosts would be um, to be as invested as you can in the guests that you're picking and to, uh, to take an active role in really like planning the trajectory of the show, not just like, being there to interview. Um, definitely the best interviews I've had were people that I either had had a previous relationship with in some way, shape or form or uh, a topic that like I just was personally super invested in. Um, so I think that's super important to, to uh, you know, have your, have your hand in every part of the show. My advice to Vanessa um lay it on me just uh just relax vanessa take it easy this I'm is so, me relax so mad all the time wow <laughs> <laughs> no you are i don't have any advice to you because i think you are very self-aware of what your strengths and weaknesses are and what you want to get better at and what you don't so get better at what you want to get better at and don't what you don't yeah ethan <laughs> why i don't know i just felt like i needed to Bring you back if, in. You were looking I, a little sad over there. If I had an honest critique, I would give it to you. But you made my life very, very easy as a host. So I don't think I have a whole lot of advice. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> what um? Where do you hope? Where do you hope that say the art goes in the next year? Oh man, man! I just hope it it continues to pick up steam and get uh you know gain more of an audience. Um, I think uh. I still think the sky is the limit for this show. Um, I think that people are people are tuning in. It's a very interesting sort of niche that we've carved out. Um, and, uh, you know, with with more listeners will come more opportunities for us to do different things and try different things and have more interesting guests and all that fun stuff. So just growth, man. Just continue to grow and have fun with it. I will just quickly say that. And I said in the beginning, like, I'm so glad that we got connected and that yeah. you've been here. And it's been an awesome ride. And like, obviously, I was excited. Like, in many ways, you know, you are the golden pipes. You are <laughs> you are better, better at this than I am. And so it was great to, like, see you pick it up, carry it, and really um, take it to the next level. So we're going to be missed. But, like, also what a great friendship has been born yeah, out of this. totally. How man. many great times and, like, laughs clearly <laughs> that have been edited out of this episode have yep. come. I will say, like, my, some of my favorite times when I think back – you said it another way. You said your drunkest times. That you think <laughs> like, if I think back to like the most fun I have, it's always seeing you two. Yeah. When we come together for these episodes. And um, I think that's just like a testament to the group and, and to everything you're doing. But we're going to really miss you. And, and thank you. I appreciate it, man. And that being said, yeah, actually, it's a little sad because I feel like you're kind of the glue. Um, yeah, because yeah, I feel like when it's just us, it's like too... We're both kind of stubborn. So it ends <laughs> Dude, up. I am very much like the abused child in this relationship. You 
Definitely, I feel like Qual are very hard personalities, <laughs> and it's Thank very you. much appreciated, and you're like the comedic relief every time <laughs> you're here. So so we'll see how this goes. We might end up just killing each other or something. <laughs> that could happen. I'll still be around, but I appreciate all the kind words. We'll, we'll call you. We'll call you to clean up. Yeah. I, I'll just come in for damage control. <laughs> all right. Well, here we go. We're going to end with a rapid fire. Let's do it. And we're going to go between me and Vanessa. Okay. I, so okay. First, first one is, what's your favorite Britney Spears song? <laughs> uh, toxic, duh. All right. I knew that you were going to say that. Because it's amazing. Did you know I was, you know was going to ask no, that? No, rapid fire uh, and my okay. obvious answer is toxic. All right, Doesn't on. everybody have a favorite Britney question? What is your immediate reaction when you get a text from me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, throw the phone in the toilet. <laughs> All right. Leave it unread. <laughs> Uh, if you could own one piece of art, what would it be? Uh, a Lennon lithograph. Oh. Yeah. Big Beatles fan. Oh, that's why you always used to ask about. That's why I always, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, was Stones it the Beatles or, or the Beatles Rolling, Rolling Stones? Stones? It's one of my favorite rapid fire questions. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Or, uh, Shel Silverstein too. His lithographs are amazing. Okay. All right. Last question to you. Since having a baby, what has been your favorite baby food that you've sampled? <laughs> well, she's only a few months old, so... Are you going to say breast milk? Uh, so it's only been <laughs> breast milk. <laughs> You're going to make this weird. I have, I've tasted it. I'm just going to put it out there. I've tasted it. I, <laughs> it might be weird, but don't knock it till you've tried it, all okay? Right, all right. <laughs> all right. Hey, thank you, and... I love you guys. This has been amazing. As always, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of State of the Art. If you'd like to learn more about Andrew, you can check him out on his social media handles, at Andrew E. Herman, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. He doesn't post a whole lot on Twitter, so I wouldn't follow him there, but Instagram is in fuego. And uh, as always... Uh, please rate and review if you like this episode if you like what we're doing here at State of the Art rate and review us on iTunes give us five stars or wherever you listen to your podcasts thank you very much this has been another episode of State of the Art